All right, and we are live back with another episode of From College to Combine. I am one of your hosts, Michael Spoli, joined always by Riley Millette. And if you're on video this week, you're going to realize soon on audio, but we're joined by a special guest, my Monday Night Hammer co-host from For Frequency's Sake, Nick Grohl at Run The Sims on Twitter. How are you doing? I'm going to let Nick start. Please guest go first, Riley. All right, guest goes first. Thanks for having me on. Um, we're going to do some nerd stuff today. Uh, I heard you needed to you need to see some numbers, so that's why I'm here. Uh, thanks yeah, for we got the, the feedback we got was that we're actually a little bit too cool and we need to go uh, go a little bit more numbers heavy. That's what our uh, that's that's what our feedback said. That's our target audience. How are you, how are you doing, Riley? I like I well, I don't know. You seem smaller today. It was a steak dinner night, so I'm actually bigger than normal. Oh. Uh, how do you like your steak, Riley? That's very important to me. Medium. Medium. Cut down the middle. Well, medium rare is really the only choice, but that's fine because we got a great show today, regardless of Riley's terrible steak options. We are going to dive into a bunch of analytics with Nick here. We got some amazing graphs and definitely things you should be checking out on the video. We're going to make this totally work for you on the audio end, but it'll be easier to adjust that way. Before we get into that, I want to touch up IDP, guys. That's where I put out a lot of my stuff. We ha currently still have a sale going for July 4th, still running that through the website. Code 4th of July, and you get 10% off whatever you want to get on that website, whether that's the draft kit, a subscription, an entry to our Masters tournament, which is amazing. And what's free to do is also sign up to the newsletter that I put out every single Wednesday that came out this morning. Check out my Twitter at Michael underscore underscore to sign up for that. And, of course, for frequency's sake, that's where you're watching right now. Great content, great video, podcast content coming out every single week. Subscribe on YouTube as well as following on Twitter. But before we get into the analytics, before we jump into anything else, I want to run through a couple headlines of the week. And we actually have fun ones this week. I think July has been a little bit slow. It's always slow. End of June has been a little bit slow. But now we have some enticing ones. We got beat reporters trying to make names for, for themselves. You know, just throw in the headlines. So Amon Ra St. Brown is being rumored that he's going to see at least six targets a game. What do you guys – is that more smoke? Is that more fire? That's from Benjamin Raven on good, a good football show. Uh, yeah, I, I think it makes total sense. And you would want to see you know, the, the young rookie who you, you know, kind of stole in the draft. You know, he fell a little further than some people thought. And you would expect him to go in there and get most of the work. I'm, I'm sure that's what everyone was expecting. Was yeah, I, um, I've never really been a St. Brown guy. So, I mean, as a as a stats guy, I, I appreciate him putting a number on it, fewer than six targets, and he used fewer instead of less, which is a common grammatical mistake. But hmm. uh, six targets per game. Um, actually, I can get back to you. Let me. Uh, I just need to uh, get a spreadsheet. I'll tell you what I have him per game. Um, it's probably yeah, close to six, but uh, overall, if you want my take on. St. Brown, it's just I would much rather just add Jameson Williams in week three and hope for the best in the fantasy playoffs. I won't lie. I'm currently a couple picks away from being on the clock for my Scott Fishwell draft right now. And Amon Ra is one of those names I consider. I, I just took Brandon Cooks over him. I would do it 10 times over. I would make that swap. But it's interesting because I, I know Riley liked him out of the draft. I liked Amon Ra as a prospect last year. He came out and balled out once he was given the opportunity. And obviously that coincided with T.J. Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift missing time. I think it really was a circum, uh, a case of 
everyone, no one else was there. And he is a good enough player to get that, but he's also a slot guy. He's not guaranteed to have that huge workload that we saw him get of 13, 14 targets. I don't know if he gets that. He can get six to seven, but if he goes four catches on seven targets for 50 yards, maybe, you know, maybe he's a flex. And he might need the touchdowns. I'm not sure if those come when everyone's healthy. Nick, you got any uh, points? Uh, what's it called? Any projections for that, or do you want to come back to that? Uh, so a, a source I trust. I, I just took, took a look at it. Have, does have him at uh, seven points per game or seven targets per game? So um, I guess it's not that hot of a take. Yeah, I, I think the interesting thing is that you know if you get seven targets, that that sounds amazing. That is a really good baseline to have, but how much are seven targets worth on the Lions? And how many of those targets come in the red zone? You know, like, I'm going yeah. made his hay, you know, on some amazing plays last year. And I don't know if all those will repeat, you know, if Hawkinson's back in the mix. But that honestly feels like more than enough Lions talk for a lifetime. Yeah. Um, so we I will, I will say this. Um, this is interesting because the headline seems like, oh, my gosh, no fewer than six targets per game. That's amazing. That's only 112 targets. That's like, that's like literally right down the middle in terms of like, that's like, like you said, wide receiver three. Um, So yeah, that's actually more of a a cold take than a hot take. So um, yeah, let's hear about Rob Gronkowski. Why not? Yeah. Especially when those targets are also not downfield. We're not expecting Amon Ra to drum go at 17 yards per catch, but Rob Gronkowski doubling down on his retirement saying that even if Tom Brady called, he is not going to come back. I have been very adamant that Gronk is going to play this year. I did, you know, have a little bit of a pause with this one. This is a little bit of a hit to the theory coming out and saying it again. But if we learned anything about Tampa and retirement, it's that nothing is a given. I'm still going to say that we see Gronk at some point this season. I'm starting to feel a little bit less confident that it's week one and maybe it's the playoffs, but – I think I, I just, I'm not I'm not tilting away from my tape that Gronk's on the field from week one. What about you guys? I think he is retired. That's what I think. That's I think, so safe. Oh. I think he is. <laughs> I'm never wrong about these things. Never lost. I think um, I think that he's retired. I'm in that boat too. Um, I also think that the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are gonna not throw 700 plus times this year, uh, which is an absurd number. Uh, 600's a lot. Um, so, and I mean, age is undefeated. I, I'm, I'm going to keep saying it until Tom Brady like actually retires, but yeah, I don't, I don't know that we can expect 700 passes from a 45 year old. I don't think we can, but I, I'm, I, in my preliminary rankings, I'm having 662 attempts. Completing around 66% of those BZs. I, I don't have Tom Brady falling off a cliff yet because just as I just as I say that he won't fall off a cliff, he will fall off a cliff just to spite me. But, I mean, I, I think we're still going to see a very pass-happy offense in the 650 range just because Tom Brady's going to have the ball in his hands when it matters most, and that's still going to be a lot of football. Yeah. Other news of the week because a big, big – we got a big NFL – date this week is the franchise tag deadline. If a player has been placed on the franchise tag, like Dalton Schultz, Cowboys tight end, they have to reach a long-term extension by Friday or they will be playing on the tag or holding out. So Dalton Schultz, it's been nothing but bad news for him. 
or I guess for him, the Cowboys, however you want to interpret it, they are not close to a deal. It has not seemed close throughout this entire process. I don't think that deal gets done on Friday. He's going to play this year on the tag. I'm not worried about a holdout. He'll still get paid handsomely. But looking like more, more and more that this could be Schultz's last season in Dallas. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he's going to play this year on a tag. It's for, for a guy like him who has an opportunity, you know, the Cowboys are in a pretty decent position to, to make some noise. I mean, there's, there's a couple teams uh, sneaking up on them. The, the Eagles are sneaking up on them in the, uh, in the NFC East, but it's, it's tough to see a guy like Donald Schultz who did just have a breakout year, but uh, not, not an overwhelming breakout year. Plus it was his breakout year. He spent a couple years in the league um, without having made any noise. So it's tough for me to see him um, holding out in, uh, in protest of a deal. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't think he's talented enough um, for the for the league to view him as like someone that if they hold out, like and he demands a trade or any of that. And I just don't think there's a huge market out there for him, unfortunately. Uh, like you said, he's he does really good in a role and um, not really going to blow your socks off in athleticism. So he he in some ways I, I don't think people don't talk about it as much because michael gallup's injury means he's still a little bit away time away another report came out that jalen tolbert is expected to be a week one starter which again gives you an idea of the state of this cowboy's depth so i i do think dolden schultz greatly benefited from a lot of injuries and a lot of inefficiencies on that dallas offense it's just that that's going to repeat a little bit and as for the later breakout it's tight end so it's kind of par for the course having that third year breakout but We'll, we'll see what plays out there. I'm, I, I kind of feel like he's still going to repeat as a top six tight end. He's going to see a lot of volume by a talented quarterback in a very ship score, a decent amount of touchdowns. So Schultz. But either way, a dynasty name just to keep an eye on was fourth round Wisconsin tight end Jake Ferguson. Don't think he's anything special, but they drafted him this year. There is no depth at tight end on this roster. So he has a real world where he starts as – the tight end two for the Cowboys as a rookie and has a chance to be the tight end one next year. So definitely something to stash if you do have that empty bench spot or where where are you stashing him? What like where are you stashing him? You have like 40, 40 people benches? I will tell you this in a thirty person in a thirty bench run not thirty bench. A thirty league slot league where I'm going thirty rounds or even twenty eight, twenty five. I'll find a spot from my taxi squad, absolutely. Would you okay. not? Would you not uh, stash? Especially, let, let's even say a tight end premium format. I think he's well worth the stash. The taxi, the taxi squad was made for a guy like him. I'll, exactly. I'll concede that. I'll concede a that. guy that has zero potential for production this year. Even with injury, I wouldn't expect production or a holdout. I don't think Ferguson's going to be relevant. But there's a chance he could next year. And there's a world yeah. where Dolan Schultz gets injured. And then you see three to four games of flashing. And then he gets that chance. So taxi squad is a great spot for if you don't have a taxi squad, then that's a whole other discussion. I don't get think you're in my spot. Yeah, you, you can you can send them out on a boat. I don't know. But move on to one of the last quarterbacks in a long quarterback carousel of this offseason in the last couple of years, Jimmy Garoppolo. Where is he ending up? Because the most recent rumors are Seattle. That Seattle is going to make play for him. I saw some people saying Houston, which makes zero sense to me. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has his big contract to consider. He is older. He is not that good. We know what he is, and he is expensive. So what happens with Jimmy Garoppolo? 
I think sending him to the Seahawks makes just as little sense as sending him to the Texans and a team that has already kind of started the rebuild is trading for picks and is in the same division as the reigning Super Bowl champions plus the team that they beat in the NFC championship. So I I think I don't I'm not sure he ends up in Seattle and that's really the only team left that has a glaring need at quarterback that they didn't fill this this past offseason. So it's it's looking more and more like He's either going to start or not start week one, but he's going to be on the roster week one for the Niners or he could be cut. Yeah. They're not – the only reason he's not playing for the Seahawks right now is because the 49ers just will not trade within the division. Um, I mean, if they cut him, it's, it's pretty likely. Do you, do you not think that they would sign them if, if he were cut, the Seahawks? I'm sure. I'm sure they would. They have plenty of cap space. I don't think they would give up significant capital. Which at this point, it's tough to say what that was. You know, it used to be a second round pick. Now, now that he hasn't been traded for this long, and Baker Mayfield was just traded for a fifth round pick. I'm pretty sure it was, um, and a whole bunch of his contract. Um, the trade market for Jimmy Garoppolo just isn't there right now. So if if he were to become a free agent, the Seahawks would likely make a bid on him, but I don't think they trade for him. It, it'll yeah. take an injury um, for Jimmy Garoppolo to get traded. I think him getting caught and signed by a team like Seattle is probably the, I guess, the most likely at this point. Um, I don't know if San Fran wants to eat that type of cap, but um, especially getting nothing in return and running the risk that he goes to the division rival. Because I agree with you, Nick, that I don't see a world where a quarterback trade happens within division. That feels like such a Recipe yeah. for watch that happen, and then Seattle beats them in like week seventeen in true indie fashion, and yeah. the Forty Nineers miss the playoffs by one game. You know, like that's the exact type of game that 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 seventh round pick or sixth round pick is not worth it. So, I agree with that. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get cut. Maybe ends up with Seattle, or he gets stashed. I don't see a trade happening. But now, as always, we get to the heart of the show. Something that we haven't done in a hot minute. Because this was this is not a this show thing. If you're new to this show, if you've been following from college to combine, you probably don't know what we're talking about here. We're talking about something that Nick and I did on our Monday night show that we ran through. We did it before the summer. We did a whole bunch of fun things that even Riley wasn't there for. We're going to dive into some interesting analytics that Nick has to do. I guess do. I am going to pull that up right now. Nick, please take it away because I know you've had some amazing highlighted things to show us. Yeah, so all these pretty colors. Blue is uh, good. The bluer, the better. Um, it means that my model, my ranking model, is is uh, higher on the player. It means that that my projection model has a has a big number for them. So what we're looking at right now uh, is better than a spreadsheet. But if you're a little overwhelmed by everything going on, don't pay attention to anything over here. These are just controls for me. If I can hide them, I will. Um, this right here is uh, showing you the ADP. Um, within the top 50, um, we're not looking at the back end of drafts here. And these are best ball drafts. So those are probably the most popular drafts going on right now. So I feel pretty confident that in terms of the information that we have right now, um, this is about as accurate of uh, average draft position as you'll get. Uh, people playing for real money. Um, average draft position is just simply where they go in the drafts. There's the hundreds, thousands and thousands of drafts happening. Um, I'm not going to give free advertising though, Michael. All right. Oh. You know who you are if you're watching, which I'm not sure that anyone from that company is. We will, we will, we will promote you. We will advertise with you, but we need a deal first. All right. Um, so these, this is <laughs> best go. ball. Uh, 
And um, so this right here is any any flex player that is going um, at least half a round or more uh, later than they should. So I'll I'll leave you boys uh, to just to just take a, a look at this and and what stands out to you. Cordell, I feel like yeah, that's, I'm up. so glad that's what I was gonna say, Riley, because we have been talking of Tyler Algier. We have been talking who is the Falcons running back to own if there even is one, and both of us have kind of concluded over the offseason that we're willing to pass on Patterson for a rookie that we really liked in Tyler Algier. And okay. for you to have you, you have Cordell Patterson has obviously a value here relative to ADP, which is definitely slipping very far. So he, he's pick 107, right? This is what I would say is on the back end of uh, that, that range where people don't want to draft running backs. The dead zone. And even past the dead zone. Yeah. yeah, it's past it. And people are still like, they, they still have that, that running backs radar outside the top 100, still have that dead zone stench to them. But the opportunity cost for, for, um, for Patterson, if, if I filter out here and we just see everything, We'll be able to zoom in on him specifically, like see who he's going near. Um, what's happening here is you're not giving up a whole lot to get him, okay? And while I find him, oh my gosh, this technical difficulties, folks, bear with me. Um, the way these rankings are made, the model that I have, so you're you're, you're going to be picking Cordell Patterson. This is a soft spot in the draft unless you're a huge Ramondre Stevenson guy. Which it wouldn't surprise me if either of you two were. I know. Oh, it, I know on. he's a tape guy. Dream. If anyone is, <laughs> this guy down here. Okay. He's a okay. Player. Yeah. So here, this is a this is like the whatever quarterback Aaron Rodgers is. Is he actually going to play football this year? You never know with him. Uh, he's awesome, but I mean, the opportunity cost here is not that that costly. So, um, and the way these rankings are made is, um, and, and this kind of uh, goes back to what you were saying with. Um, with what you like Algier, you like the prospect. He's not being projected right now. So um, these rankings are based off of uh, expert projections from ESPN, Mike Clay, CBS. Um, uh, also, like, establish the run. I'm, I'm here, Here's all this free advertising. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> it's an expert consensus. It's an expert consensus ranking that also incorporates ADP, right? Because a ranking is no good if, if it's, it's spitting out someone like Cordero Patterson, like taking him three rounds early, doesn't make sense. You're going to get him a couple rounds late every once in a while. So ADP goes into it, expert consensus rankings, um, and a value over replacement model. So think Moneyball, um, uh, that movie, uh, same thing that they used to kind of break baseball back in the day. So let's, let's filter this back. Uh, Cordero Patterson um, projects well because we're really giving him – like 80% of what he had last year. And that's good enough. If he's the one uh, a in that backfield, like volume, it's not good volume, but it's volume nonetheless. And sure. Like the thing is, is this tells me to invest in that Atlanta backfield because you get it for free. I think the interesting thing to consider now is that he's lost his wide receiver eligibility on a lot of platforms. So now you have mm-hmm. to play him at running back. And I do think, I think 80% might be a little bit conservative because I, I don't know if he sees 150. He had 150 carries or so last year. I don't know if he sees triple digits again. I think that's yeah. a real world where he's dropping down to the 95, capping around 105, 110. And I, I do think that would be a big hit to val, uh, his value, especially if he's lining up in the backfield more. But 
you know, we just have the new factor in with Tyler Algier that I, I just don't think they had another able running back on their roster last year. I'm going to quickly bring up a wonderful comment from, for fancy, uh, for frequency sakes, Deej, my guy, Raleigh does look like the scoring lover, especially as <laughs> I pull him up over Riley's face, <laughs> that Raleigh looks indeed like the scoring lover. What other, uh, what other names do you want to pull out here, Riley? Because you, you call one now. Okay, so that Cordero Patterson was a guy here I'm, I'm not super high on, and a guy I'm glad to see that I'm not the only one high on is Chase Claypool because I think he's just such an insane athlete, and everyone knows that he's an insane athlete. But I'm, I'm still relatively in on his ability to produce, even though uh, Kenny Pickett is the likely starter for the, for the Steelers this year. So I'm, I'm happy to see that people are uh, putting some respect on him. The hate has swung so far for Chase. Way too like, far. And, and it's understandable, especially as a Steeler fan. I, I know this. I know Nick knows it as well. We are very well-versed with how people treat Chase Claypool because of how much he blundered that hurry-up call. And his personality has some quirks to it uh, that people don't like to see. Um, but the talent, you know, the talent remains. That he, rookie year, he put up – an unbelievable season, you know, on the touchdown end, great big plays, things that other receivers did not do their rookie years. And then in his second year, still a second year, he did about the same. I, I think there's still a lot of room to, for improvement, but tell, tell me what the Sims say here, Nick. Yeah, so if you see here on the right, he projects like right in between um, Ayuk and Tyler Boyd, which not great names, but they're they're going about a round ahead of them. So um, just from that pure is. From pure numbers sake, like, I don't care what you think about the guy and his personality. Like, he's going to get the ball thrown his way and probably in, in the red zone just because he's he's such a, a monster. Um, and, I mean, he's getting older. Like, I mean, last year he did a couple immature things. He's a young kid. Um, he also had a quarterback that honestly probably oh. was not uh, uh, was not fit to be on the field. So, no. uh I guess I, I guess there's a lot to explain that behavior, as infuriating as it was. And um, yeah, I can just see Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, most likely Mitch Trubisky. We'll talk about that some other time. But uh, slinging the ball his way. Yeah. Two. Uh, I, I'm looking yeah, at two yeah. other names on this. Uh, well, Riley, did you have more on that? Yeah, I was gonna. I was just gonna point out that Chase Claypool only scored two touchdowns last year, and he still finished as a top 36 wide receiver in an offense that was poor with a quarterback that was even worse. So I, I might even bet on those numbers going up or his there was, going up. I, I, I had the numbers the other day, but Big Ben had, I want to say it was the top, he was top seven. I think it was even higher. I think he was like number six or five in red zone passing attempts. And he only threw 17 touchdowns. <clears throat> there was only like four other players because I went out and researched it. Like four other, five other quarterbacks since 2010 that threw less than 17. It was remarkably bad for a team that wanted to throw in the red zone, despite having Najee Harris. So, I I mean, there's there's still so much to see with Chase Claypool that we have not got to see. And George Pickens is not going to factor in this year to me at all, um, as much as I do like George Pickens. Two other names I'm looking at here that I, I really like as late targets or, yeah, honestly, late targets. Robert Woods and Hunter Henry are two guys I'm trying to snap up in a lot of leagues. Nick, what uh, what, which one of those are you? I guess more more high on there. Obviously, Hunter Henry's got the more blue. Um, I don't love uh, the Patriots' um offense because no. 
Neither Matt do Patricia, I. Matt Patricia or Joe Judge, um, their names being thrown <laughs> around as play callers. And Bill Belichick, uh, of course, will um, will probably keep them within within reason in terms of uh, calling an NFL offense. However, um, some optimism on Henry. Number one is, is just you get him for free for most for, for the most part. So he's going about two rounds later, almost three rounds later than he should. Um, and he scored a lot of touchdowns last year. Mac Jones was one of the better rookie quarterbacks last year, if not the best rookie quarterback. And um, if he throws, I don't know, 10 to 15 percent more than he did last year, he, he could probably you probably come in like a QB 18, but uh, be good enough to have uh, Hunter Henry. Uh, score some touchdowns and the other name you said Robert Woods is people uh, this time of year probably play dynasty and he's not someone you're going after in dynasty but you see here he's at the top of this kind of mid-range he's right now projected for more points than Chris Godwin who's going to miss a few weeks Elijah Moore who's everyone's favorite uh, uh, sophomore wide receiver Um, Robert Woods is I mean Robert Woods is kind of like a a discounted Elijah Moore in, in redraft this year I'd say the same thing about Adam Thielen, not a, not someone that people are is targeting a dynasty, but I still think he's such a value in terms of his red zone uh, ability and an offense that me and Mike think gets gets better. So I'm I'm with you on Thielen there as well. Yeah. Since 2019, Hunter Henry has scored 18 touchdowns in, in 43 games. He scored 18 touchdowns. That's that's a really good number to get from your tight end. That is the fourth most of any tight end in that span only behind stars Travis Kelsey, star Mark Andrews, and star Jared Cook. But besides that third name, that is pretty good company. And Jared Cook was always a guy that we were targeting in late rounds as well, just for the athletic upside, but also for that red zone ability. And guys taking shots on Gerald Everett, who's a very popular sleeper. I feel like Hunter Henry is a better option, despite me obviously being higher on the Chargers than I am with, you know, the uh, the Patriots. But... And uh, what other names do you want to throw at us, Nick? Which other names uh, kind of stood out to you as you were going through this? Um, so this is uh, these are the fades. Um, these are players that are going a little bit uh, higher than they should. Um, and remember, again, I, I want to make sure you guys understand this. This is uh, projections, so people are predicting how many pass yards, rush yards, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and then they're they're calculating fantasy points from that. So. One, that's not gonna that's not going to be favorable to a guy like Alexander Madison, who's being drafted earlier for the because we know in best ball especially he's gonna get us a few weeks of RB one production and the price on that is is a little bit different than someone that's a pure backup running back that will share time if the starter goes down. For sure. Um, and a couple other examples of that. Uh, a real interesting example right here is I know we all love Kyle Pitts. Um, but what's what's happening with Atlanta right now is that people are like the offense is going to be Kyle Pitts and Drake London because he does go in, in the higher rounds, kind of where you would expect a rookie of his pedigree to go. Um, but they're just saying like Drake London and Kyle Pitts, the people we love in Dynasty, they're going to get all the fantasy points, and there's not going to be a running game, and nobody else on the team is going to score any points. Like that's just not how it is, and that's why you're seeing. And it's not that bad. It's about it's it's not even a round difference, but. I mean, if you use my rankings, you're not going to get a whole lot of Kyle Pitts in best ball right now. Uh, during my time, you know, over the last few years, it's really been burned into my brain to to focus on which receivers are playing with a better quarterback. I just look at 
Corlin Sun and Jerry Judy last year. We're both projecting them to finish, you know, easily in the top 20. And although they're playing with Russell Wilson, who is one of the better quarterbacks in the league, you would not trust them again this year if they're playing with Teddy Bridgewater. Nothing has changed specifically with Sutton and, and Judy's ability on the field. Everything has changed with their situation. So um, it's totally understandable to be fading Kyle Pitts for the same reason. It's it's interesting because in a lot in most formats, I think you see him as the tight end three off the board, and. Everyone's touting, you know, he saw all these targets and he scored this few touchdowns. He only scored one touchdown last year. And that's got to mm-hmm. change when he sees as much volume as he does. But people forget that this offense got worse. Matt Ryan to Matt Marcus Mariota is a significant downgrade. And not ha- like just, the volume could stay the same. But if Kyle Pitts jumps to three touchdowns, if he jumps to four touchdowns, you're still not going to be that happy. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people kind of forget that in the hype of what Kyle Pitts could be and will eventually be. I just don't think it's going to happen yet. Now, I, I know a name I want to throw out here because Riley is our resident Clyde Edwards Elair lover. And he's got the signed helmet right there that I, I that we got uh, that me and my roommates got for him. Yeah. How much Riley's a CH guy. And I see Ronald Jones on this list. No, I'll, I'll let Nick uh, explain that because I, I, you don't seem too excited. I don't think you're a big CH guy to my memory of it. Um, so what's interesting is, is uh, number one, th- there's a few reasons that uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, unfortunately, is a little bit of a fade too. Um, so he, he's about three spots higher in ADP than he is in my rankings. Uh, what's happening is a couple different things. One, I think people just expect Kansas City to have a good run game. They haven't historically. That could change. But in terms of projections, they typically don't project a whole lot just because their pass rate over expectation is the, it's by far the top in the league. Um, and uh, Ronald Jones is getting maybe 30% of that backfield. CEH is getting 60% of that backfield. And that's why you're seeing Ronald Jones being um, really overdrafted, um, CEH being slightly overdrafted. Um, but the thing here is – Ronald Jones could be the guy that gets 60-40 split. And then that kind of flips ADP almost. So uh, good gamble at, at pick 122. Um, but, yeah, why, why do you love CEH so much? I I was very in love with the talent coming out. I was one of those guys that, that really got swept up in it all. And I still I still think he's uh, talented enough. He's kind of got bitten by the injury bug. And um, I'm kind of expecting the, the ability of the offense to pass to uh, balance out uh, with the running game. I still think he's talented enough for that to happen. And plus this, the chief just got a top three to five offensive line this year. So you just got swept up in it all, meaning you too, just like the NFL had CEH above Jonathan Taylor. Uh, and it's not something to be ashamed of. Because we, we, all, we, we all did. No. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah I did. Yeah, Tilt on the landing spot for sure. Yeah, we kind of lost our minds a little bit with that one, but I mean, the NFL made the same mistake. So lesson learned. Yeah, we we all live and learn with that. I I, I personally want to bring up maybe just one or two more names. I I have kind of been an Alan Lazard guy for a bit now. I think he's a very I, I think he's a good wide receiver. I don't think he's great, but I think he's a good wide receiver that will inherit a lot of those missing targets in Green Bay. I mm-hmm. I agree that the passing pie is going to be a lot smaller this year than. Even it was last year, year before that, and it wasn't a big one to begin with. But I think he's a I, – I guess the ADP is getting higher by the week. 
and that is something I do want to monitor, but that is a very dark red line I see there. Yeah, he's one of the bigger fades, about a round and a half. Um, the reason being is he's being drafted like the surefire number one option for Aaron Rodgers. He's not really being projected that way. I think at best he's the 1A. Um, they're just spreading the target share there. Uh, the experts are spreading target share around uh, pretty pretty um, generously. And I, I think this is the advantage of expert uh, consensus rankings. Because a lot of times these ESPN experts that are making these projections do have some information we don't. One of that, one of those pieces of information could be they're just waiting for camp to be over so Julio Jones doesn't have to come to camp because yeah. he's he's a vet and he doesn't want to do that anymore. You know what I mean? If Julio Jones gets signed, I, I, I don't. I mean, he's definitely starting to wear down. I think most of his lack of production last year was just him not getting along with Vrabel. Um, we could talk about that, but. That's why Lazard doesn't really rank all that well. If, like you said, as ADP increases on Alan Lazard, it's increasing because every day that goes by that someone's not signed in Green Bay is another day that Alan Lazard lives as the wide receiver one. It's it's interesting. I I, I, I hate that I kind of agree, despite me liking Lazard, because I, I quickly did my version of statistics and found out that the 81.2 is in the seventh round a little bit earlier even. And that that's that's too high for me. I, I, I yeah. like Lazard, but you're gambling a sixth, seventh round pick on him. I, I'm more comfortable in that eight, nine, ten range for him. Um, and the other name I just want to quickly bring up, at least last one on my end, was Russell Gage. And that that's a name that everyone has been talking about over the last few months as the Chris Godwin replacement, the guy Tom Brady asked for. The guy who's also been shooting up draft boards akin to how Lazard was doing two, three weeks ago. So I, I, I think that I think he's still going to rise a little bit more as we realize Chris Godwin's not going to be ready for the season. And once that becomes a yeah. little bit more confirmed, I think that ADP is only going to go higher. And I imagine that means you're going to be even a little bit more out on that. Yeah. A couple, a couple of things um, real quick, Chris Godwin and Russell Gage are both kind of fades. And that's most likely because they're being drafted like Tom Brady's going to throw 700 passes again, and he's just he's not being projected like that. So he might. We could be wrong. We we've been wrong before. And um, yeah, Alan Lazard. I'm not taking him over Ayuk uh, over Kadarius yeah. Tony. That's a whole other bag of worms there. Not even Christian Kirk. Um, I mean, it's just he doesn't project as well as these as these guys because he's not he's not getting the target share that, that they are in the projections. Oh, well, the honorable mention behind Riley there. Um, all right, that, that what? Uh, any, any other names that you guys want to bring up while we have this amazing uh, statue in front of us? Tim Patrick, right, you're high on. I like that. Yeah. I, I dug into the numbers uh, for the wide receivers for Denver, and, I mean, they kind of you know checkerboarded a little bit with with being on the field all at the same time. Judy Sutton, Hamler, and Patrick, which they never really were because Hamler got hurt early. Judy went out for a couple of weeks, but Patrick like was always right in the mix on target share, um, red zone targets, uh, just like everything we care about. It's, it's bizarre. Like he definitely is going to have a role on this team. It's it's where where do you think that is? Because I, where I think it is is on the outside, Sutton on the outside. I think Judy's going to take Hamler's role if Hamler has a role to even take I think we saw Judy have a fairly prominent role in the slot while he was active last year 
And I kind of mm-hmm. think that's where his bread and butter is going to be. Now, I'm going to selfishly bring this up because mid-show, I am now on the clock in the Scott Fishbowl League. Let's do it. And Let's do it. This is a good at, way to end it. You know, that is the way I want to end this. I want to selfishly bring that up. Um, so, boys, this is this is the moment. This is what we're talking about in the industry right now. I am sitting here at the 702. I have my roster for everyone who is not following me very closely on Twitter. Uh, I took Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins, came around, took Joe Mixon and Travis Etienne. I grabbed George Kittle in the fifth round, which is a ridiculous fall from grace that I know Nick likes because I've been running a lot of things by Nick as he helps me construct this championship-winning team. And then I took Brandy Cooks at the 6'11", which I'm also ecstatic about. I'm now sitting at the 702. I have 20 picks to go until my next one. I have Jerry Judy available. I have Darnell Mooney available. J.K. Dobbins, Antonio Gibson, Jerry Judy, Elijah Moore, and the aforementioned Amon Ra St. Brown as well. I'm not strongly considering Amon Ra, but that's, those are the names that I've been looking at right now. It's between Judy and Gibson for me. Right, Nick? You agree? It's, Ju- it's Judy and it's not close. I was, I, just talking I, up Tim Patrick. I, I, I was just talking up Tim Patrick, but I, Corlin Sutton's great. Judy's great. I think they're going to demand a lot of targets. I, they're just very, very talented players. And Judy is the most talented receiver in that group. And Judy, when he was on the field, earned targets over Corbin Sutton, period. And now anyone that has been following this show knows that that is exactly what I wanted to hear, Nick. Because I am such a Judy guy, I put out innumerable amount of threads on how I think Jerry Judy is the one in Denver because of what you just said. When he's on the field, Jerry Judy, uh, Corbin Sutton goes from seven to eight targets a game to three. Because Jerry Judy is that guy. He is that guy. And with Russell Wilson, we're going to see that guy. And with my 702 pick, it is going to be Jerry Judy. And I'm not going to overthink that. Thank you guys for your input. And if that isn't the best way to wrap up what was honestly one of my favorite shows of since we started this up in January. I don't know about Riley. Maybe. Yeah, you know, sure. what, what do you think, Riley? Was this one of your I'm, favorite shows? I like nerd stuff, man. I'm all about the yeah. nerdy. Yeah, we're all we're all about we're all about everything here. All right, and we're gonna be more about more of that next week, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, always Wednesday. Not sure if we'll have Riley next week, which means we might have another special guest. But that's for next week. Tune in to see that. Thank you, everyone, for sticking with us through this. I want to give a shout out to for frequency's sake for obviously hosting this as well. Amazing stuff. Check out the Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube because I know this show will be on there as well as a lot of other great shows. And, of course, IDP, guys, the sale's been rolling on the bottom of the screen. There might be another one coming next week. Definitely check out the website for that. Follow the newsletter. And, of course, check out all of our Twitters, especially Nick, for coming on the show this week. Very appreciative of having you on. Great to do a show with the the Mustache King as well. I've, I've met a few amazing mustaches over my time in the fantasy industry. You are definitely – you and my guy, Matt Record, are very, very amazing people there. Uh, so thank you. Definitely follow Nick at run underscore the underscore Sims. Follow me, obviously, at Michael underscore underscore Scully and Riley at Riley underscore Millett. Any final thoughts from you guys before we call this a night? Go nerds. Go nerds. Go nerds. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a good night. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Have a good